Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, and welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I'm glad you're here. We're going to talk about something really important today, as we do every time we get together. It's also important because each piece is a piece of the puzzle of making our life better, of having a greater sense of well-being, of feeling more confident that we know what to do, how to step up. And today I want to talk to you about what does all this business about self-love mean? You know, we hear that you should love yourself. You've got to love yourself, self-love. You hear about self-concept and self-image and all these things. But what does it really mean to love yourself? And how does that expressed? I mean, sometimes we hear that and we were brought up in a home that says, oh, don't think too much of yourself. Or who do you think you are? Or why are you bragging? Or you seem conceited? Or that sounds arrogant. And when things like that have been said to us, we begin to think that we're not supposed to have any focus on ourselves. We're not supposed to think about ourselves. And we're supposed to be in this incredible place of giving all the time. And I know you've probably heard me say it before, but I'll say it again. I think one of the most absurd things that we say in the English language is this phrase, give until it hurts, because that is completely oxymoronic. If you gave until it hurt and everybody did, that everybody would be hurting and nobody would have anything to give. And it's a false premise. It's a myth, because you have to have balance. You need to take care of yourself so that you have some gift to give. You can't give a gift you don't have. So if you have no energy, you have no caring, you have no sense of self, you have no demonstration of your values, then you don't have anything to give to somebody else. And if you don't have whatever this mystical thing is we're going to talk about right now, self-love, if you don't have that, then you don't have love to give. It's a very strange paradox, but it's absolutely true. So self-love is not about being vain or it's not about being narcissistic or egotistic or even being prideful. It's not about feeling better than somebody else. It's not about how you look. It's not about what you have. It's not about your success. It's not about that at all. It, it's none of those things. It's not putting yourself above others or being selfish or whatever. You know, I have a download that you can you can get on my website, and it's called Be Positively Selfish. And that doesn't mean that you should be positively selfish. It means you should be positively selfish to know how to create that balance, where to find that balance. And too many people mistake that self-love and putting themselves above somebody else, and they, <clears throat> they mistake that. And they think it's about being self-absorbed, and it isn't about being self-absorbed either. It's much deeper. It's much more profound. It's much more than the surface. It's about knowing that you are lovable and valuable and worthy no matter who you are. 
as long as you're a good person and you are the one who sets the criteria for whether you're a good person. Do you know what your values are? Do you know what qualities you would not like to live without or what values you would not like to live without? I mean, is it very important to you that you live with kind people or that you are kind? Is it important to you that fairness be present? All kinds of things to think about. And when you live by your values, when you've worked through them, um, then it's very important to live by them. You know, you, you have your list. These are the things that I value. And you ask yourself, am I demonstrating that to myself in my life every day? Am I living my values? A person who lives their values is a person who has good self-love. They care enough to stay in touch with themselves, in tune with themselves. And they don't put themselves in prickly situations too often. Of course, we're all going to get into prickly situations, but you don't put yourself in those prickly situations too often. You don't stay in a job you absolutely hate and then jeopardize your health. You don't work too hard or do too much or exercise too infrequently or eat junk food continuously and then think you're demonstrating self-love because you're not. It's saying to your body, I don't care if you live or not. Now, I know that sounds extreme and it is extreme, but what's important is that you demonstrate that you're valuable to you. You know, you don't have to do a lot. I have a small dog. I go for a walk. That walk has turned into something important, really important. And just as I said that, my dog just perked up his ears. My dog's name is Mystery, and we've been together now for 11 and a half years. And he's a rescue, and his name's Mystery because when I went to the shelter to find him, he just arrived, and no one knew where he came from. But he is part of my self-care process, just as I am part of his self-care process. And that's a way of demonstrating self-love. Another thing that's really important about demonstrating that you care and love yourself and you value yourself is that you're able to not let your past define you. Whatever happened back there, and you know I talk about it all the time, so there's lots of great things for you in episodes, and also on my blog at forrelationshiphelp.com, just click on the blog tag, um, you'll find a lot of things that allow you to recognize that you don't have to be defining yourself by whatever has happened to you or whatever you've done. You can start fresh. And yes, sometimes it's a little more difficult than others, but never give up on yourself. Someone asked in a Facebook group the other day, I'm 60 years old. Do you think that I can still reinvent myself? And I went, yes, of course you can. Why would you not? If you think you'd like to reinvent yourself, why wouldn't you do it? If you would like to get away from the pain of the past, don't go into denial. Go into a fresh start. Reinvent yourself. Relook at your values. Refresh yourself. Renew yourself. People who do that are demonstrating self-love to themselves because it doesn't matter if you came from a dysfunctional home or you had a fabulous childhood. It doesn't matter where you came from. Who you are right now is someone that you decide on how to define. You decide what you think and feel and need and want. You decide how you respond in life. You know, when I wrote Kaizen for Couples, I happen to have it right here because I was quoting from it, but 
when I wrote Kaizen for Couples, was talking about the the four relational gifts, the five relational gifts rather that you have to have, and I did a, a show on emotional savvy on those too, and you can see them on the Binge Network. Go to my channel uh, on Binge Network, Emotional Savvy. You can listen to that, or you can look back through the podcast here, and it's about the five relational gifts. And if you don't give them to yourself, demonstrating self love then you don't have them to give to a potential partner of any kind. And those are honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability. And if you don't have them, then you can cultivate them. You can demonstrate self-love. Because the question, do you trust yourself? Do you keep yourself safe? Are you really honest with yourself? Do you demonstrate that you respect yourself? And are you reliable? Do you keep your promises to yourself? love uh, to yourself because self-love is about mastering your emotions it's about using your brain to say what's the truth for me right now what is it that i really believe what is it that i really want what steps am i willing to do to get it because you're important you deserve love because you breathe and take up space really you do and it's important for you to behave that way. And that's what we call self-love. And you know, it doesn't happen overnight. You, you may have some broken pieces. You may have some things that you think, oh, no, I don't think I can do anything with. Yes, you can. And I'm always here to help you. I have a new offer now that you can work with me. If you're a brand new client, you can work with me for one your first hour for only $97. And you can see that at 4 Relationship Help. So you can always get some help. And that's really important, especially if you're in a situation with difficult people. So when you really get in touch with yourself, with what you value, what your vision for your life is, what your beliefs are about everything, how the world works, how money works, how relationships are supposed to work, what you believe spiritually, what you believe about emotions, what do you believe about what's right and wrong, when you really get in touch with all that, and then you look at what are my challenges and purposes and goals right now, and you align all those things, that's demonstrating that you matter. That's demonstrating that you deserve to take up space and draw breath, that you have something to contribute to life. So very important. So I hope I've helped you see that self-love has a whole lot of components. It's not some airy-fairy thing that, oh, yes, I'm supposed to love myself, and then we go off and do whatever we're doing that day. It requires being in relationship with yourself, with spending time with yourself, maybe a little journaling, maybe some meditating, maybe just sitting quietly and see what comes to you. It, it requires you to take yourself to the movies. You know, someone asked me one day, they said, well, you know, I, ha I really want somebody to date me. I really want someone to invite me out. And I said, great. How many times do you take yourself out? You know, do you actually go to the movies because you want to see the movies? Or, oh, I'd go to the movies, but I don't have anyone to go with. Demonstrate to yourself that you matter. That's self-love. And you can see I'm getting a little hot around the collar about this, but it's so important and so available to you. It is not rocket science. You can have it. All you have to do is reach out and get it. I've given you lots of things to think about today. Remember, there are a lot more for you. Go to fourrelationshiphelp.com. Find them there. Go to my YouTube channel, Four Relationship Help. And 
if by any chance you're wondering about your relationship and whether or not being in that relationship is actually self-loving to you, go take my relationship checklist. You'll find it, strangely enough, at relationshipchecklist.com. See how you're doing. Actually get a measurement. Get some new ideas. So lots of things there for you. And I look forward to talking with you soon. Take good care. Welcome back to the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shader, and I'm here with my guest, Pranilla Lilla Rose. And I'm excited to have you on the program. Welcome. Thank you, Roberta. I'm really excited, too. And like I told you, I'm really touched by the work you offer the world. Thank you. Yeah, it's very beautiful. Thank you. It's so important, you know, for people to realize they're not alone. When you are in an abusive situation, and many people who are are raised by or live with or the exes of or even work with difficult, toxic people sometimes don't even want to use the word abuse. You know, it's like, I don't want to think of myself as being abused, but until we actually realize that that's what it is, whether it's verbal, emotional, spiritual, sexual, physical, it is abuse. When someone else purposefully hurts you, that's abuse. And so it's important to wake up to that. So let me tell everybody a little bit about you. Pernilla Lilla-Rose, that's her name. She's a certified Hokomi therapist. We'll find out about that. And a self-love mentor and meditation teacher. And she's at UCSC, which, of course, for those of us in California, we all know that's the University of Southern California. Um, And she's the author of numerous books relating to self-love, kindness, and living in alignment with who you really are. She offers online classes and global impact of true self-love. And, you know, we have a lot of things in common. I've taught a lot of meditation. I used to own a health retreat. Um, so we have lots of things to talk about today. One of the ways that we kind of connect, because everybody who listens to me knows that I definitely went through this with being raised by a hijackal mother. Um, that's my term, Pranilla, that I mm-hmm. trademarked. And we'll use it, so I'll just define it for you. Um, hijackals, I believe we needed a non-clinical term. People go to the Google goddess and they say, my partner or my mother or whatever is doing this, and the Google goddess says, oh, that's a narcissist or a borderline or a psychopath or a sociopath or a histrionic or any people in that, in that cluster. And then people start behaving like the other person is the one with all the problems. Mm-hmm. But the actual fact is that we're part of the problem when we're in relationship with them because we keep condoning and enabling their behavior. Mm-hmm. So I term them hijackals. And that's because all those folks I just mentioned, they all drink from the same pool of traits. So we don't need to pretend that we're a psychologist and diagnose somebody else. We can say, I'm with somebody with hijackal tendencies patterns, traits, cycles. I need to realize that and I need to find out my part in it. So these people like to hijack relationships for their own purposes and have power, status, and control. So I know that we've spoken previously about this and you've had an experience with that. Would you share that with us? I would love to share it. Um, I mean, it's it's such a difficult situation when you're in it Mm -hmm. because it's crazy making. 
when I was in this, this is probably maybe eight or nine years ago, I was in the process of writing my book, Imagine Being Kind to Yourself. I mean, I was not unconscious. I was not stupid. I'm very intuitive. But, you know, we carry these parts in us. And I carried this self-doubt in me still. You know, I was, I'm good at what I do. I'm, you know, all things. But there's, we, we carry these parts inside of us that have not healed yet or have not been seen yet or received what they need. And from that, I mean, at hindsight, I can see that is really what attracted this man into my life and what kept me in the relationship. Luckily, only for a year and a half, and I left him five times, believe it or not, but something in me pulled, pulled me back, right? Because I had this self-doubt, and he was an expert in pushing all those buttons. So it was very difficult. It's crazy-making because it doesn't make sense. Uh, and you start doubting yourself, and when you have doubt, self-doubt anyway, it just adds to it. So it, it was this crazy cycle. And, I, I, you know, you have to get out of it to have a different perspective because once you're in it, there's really no perspective except the hijackles that is being downloaded on you all the time, right? So it's like this, it really is crazy making. And it is kind of this gaslighting that happens. I mean, afterwards, I started reading and Googling and it's like, oh, that's what happened. I couldn't see it. I just couldn't see it. I, I knew something was off. I just couldn't see it until I finally got out of it. And, uh, and that's when I, a lot of things started, you know, unraveling in me and healing and, 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 you know, I found myself again in a new way, in a, in a bigger, better, more beautiful way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And that happens to a lot of people, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it takes 20 or 30 years. I have people in my Facebook groups who have been with a hijackal partner for 25, 30, 35 years. And they come into the group and they go, I had no idea that I was not alone. You know, because a hijacker kind of calls you from the herd. They want to keep you to themselves. They want to define your reality. They want to define everything about you. They want to tell you how you feel and what you think and what you should feel and what you should think. And to try and please them, you know, if you're a person, a good person with a good heart who wants to help, you are wildly attractive to a hijackal because they say, ah, I can manipulate this person yeah. because they want to please me. They want to help. They want to, to uh, deepen the relationship and I'll just keep tweaking it. So I get everything. They get nothing. <laughs> Very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get out of that one? Well, it had to come to the point where he actually, I found he'd been lying to me. And here's the thing. I, you know, we know something is off, right? I I knew something was off. And if I would ask him, it would be totally denied. And that's where the crazy making part, like I know this is happening and it's not being met with a yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, You start wondering. So then I did my own little research and I went to somewhere and I found out something. And then I actually called this person because I, I found her phone number and then it all made sense. And for her too. And we met for five hours over tea. And 
those five hours flew by and we were laughing and cry. It was, it was so crazy. I was like, Oh my God, he's lived a double life. You know? So, so when that happened, I, then I was not doubting, you know what I mean? It was like, this is not okay. So it was a clear cut, never talked to him again, even, and he tried and tried and tried. It's like, you know, not, no, because you cannot feed a hijackal anything, right? Because they twist and turn it yes. and turn it against you. So anything I gave him would be ammunition against me. And I knew that by then. So the hardest thing for him, I think, was to not get anything from me. And then oh. he had to be with his, his own stuff. And he would still make me wrong for it, but I didn't feed it. It was so powerful, so empowering. Oh my God. Yes. Well, you're bringing up some really key pieces, the crazy making for sure. But one of the things that you're bringing up is that when you give them something, particularly, you know, they're having that lovely moment where you feel really close and you feel safe and you say something that lets them into your inner self. And you're thinking, oh, isn't this lovely? We're having this closest and, <laughs> and everything. And then the next moment, they weaponize your vulnerability. Yep. You know, they'll take what you said in that tender moment and they'll hit you over the head with it, sometimes even in front of other people. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it is so harsh. So everybody listening, if you've got a person like that in your life, you need to go and get the free ebook I have called How to Spot a Hijackle at hijackles.com <laughs> because you may have one and the sooner you realize that you have one, the sooner you can make better choices for yourself. So you were very fortunate, a year and a half, a great learning experience. You were very wise. You were on top of it. You were searching for what's going on here. This doesn't seem normal, yeah. <laughs> uh, which yeah. is really great and many people don't have that they just don't see it they don't um you know they're in love we get into this hormone haze like oh this is wonderful and and so thanks for sharing your experience with us you know there's another piece i think that's important that is that because there's good times right sure and when there's good times it it doesn't make sense that it can suddenly shift and what I realized too, it's like those who are of us who are not hijackles, we, we communicate at a level where we actually meet each other. Mm -hmm. But a hijackle meets you from here and pushes you and always makes you wrong and is always right. And I don't really, I can't relate to that. And I think that's common for all of you. We can't relate to that. Yeah. Like, that. That makes no sense. So you just keep being your normal, right? but it's met with not normal and that's where it's so hard. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you're kind of deer in the headlights. Like, is it me? Yeah. Am, oh yeah. Am I doing something wrong? Yeah. Am I not yeah. listening? Am I not getting the message? And that's exactly where they want you to be. A hijacker wants you to be second guessing yourself all the time. They plant the seeds of self doubt, just as you were saying. Yeah. So I want to go back to something that you said a little earlier, which is that you pushed him away five times and you still got back into relationship with him. And that's also common because of the second guessing and because of what we call supply 
he couldn't stand to be without supply. You represented supply. So he wanted to make sure he supply is as many people as I can have to have control and power over. And they usually have supply waiting in the wings. They're either having an affair or they've got prospects lined up. They always have to have this supply. So, you know, it's like they say in sales, Pranilla, that it's easier to sell again to a customer that's bought from you before than it is to acquire a new customer. So hijackles are just the same. Let me go back and pick up one I have before. That'll be easier. I've got her number or his number if the hijackle happens to be And for those of you listening, I'm talking to Pranilla Lilla Rose. You can learn more about her at divinefeminineflow.com divinefeminineflow.com. So be sure and check that out and check out her books. And she speaks a lot about self-love. And I know that many of you want to turn up the volume on your self-love. So that's a great thing to do. Tell us what Hakomi therapy is. Well, Hakomi is, we can call it an assisted self-study. It's really learning to Listen to yourself is basically what it is. It's, it's a body-centered therapy modality mm-hmm. where you, and, and we use mindfulness, um, nonviolence, unity, um, mindful, very, mindfulness is very important. So you can actually start separating and observing, observing yourself, observing the parts that you are normally fully identified with. So we create, created safe setting and the attitude or the atmosphere in the room is very much about loving presence. And the loving presence, it's, it's really a presence. It's an energy that you can feel and that many people who have been in hijackal relationships and most of the world probably, but more so in these situations, there is a lack of feeling loved. And the Hakomi has a way of bringing the unconscious up to consciousness in a very, very quick way, in a very safe way, because it's a deep honoring of the unfolding of the person who is receiving uh, Hakomi. So it's an honoring. It's almost like, you, you know, there's a flower that is going to unfold and every petal has its own timing its own place in when it's ready. So it's creating this place where as a Hakomi therapist, you, you are very observant, you're tracking, you know, over the years I've become very intuitive. So I feel things, I notice little cues, you know, and those you bring to the awareness of the client so they can become aware, maybe how they're not loving themselves, how they are, you know, judging themselves, uh, doubting themselves. So they can start bringing that loving presence to themselves, which is, you know, I would say that's probably one of the most healing things we can do is to start loving ourselves. And to me, Hakomi has been uh, exceptional, just exceptional. Yeah. Beautiful. Is that a Hawaiian word or is that a Japanese no, word? No, it's a, it's a Hopi, Hopi. Uh, Hopi word. And it, it actually means who am I or who, how do I stand in relationship 
to my surroundings. And the founder, Ron Kurtz, uh, he had uh, a number. Hakomi is actually very widespread in the whole world now. And a lot of uh, psychotherapy is beginning to adapt some of the, the methods from Hakomi. And somebody, when they were creating or when they were, he, he was with a number of therapists. This is many, many years ago. Um, they were, you know, trying to create something more wholesome and they were trying out many modalities. And then one of the people had this dream and the word Hakomi came through and then they looked up what it meant and then it all made sense. So, yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Lovely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So thanks for sharing that because that may be a new word to many people. I've heard it before, but I've not heard it explained so well. Yeah. So thank you for that. So that's something also that you can turn to Prunella for if that interests you. And it's so important. You know, my work is about helping people recognize, realize, and recover from being with these difficult, toxic people because they have such an effect on your life. You were there for a short period of time with somebody who was very toxic. But when if you are raised by somebody who's very toxic, It, it permeates everything you do. It will sabotage your life, your relationships, and your career. Yeah. And being an expert on your tango, I wrote an article over there called Five Sad Beliefs You May Have If You Were Raised by a Difficult Parent. Oh. And I highly recommend everybody read that. Go to your tango, look up five sad beliefs you may have. And, or put my name in, Roberta Shaler. Remember, there's an H in Roberta, R-H-O. Um, because you may not know this, that these things are so deeply embedded in who you are from the time you were little that you may not realize that they are actually true for you. And I would imagine that that would be something that you would uncover, Pernilla, when you're working with people through that therapy. So my guest today is Pranilla Lilla Rose. You can learn more about her at divinefeminineflow.com. Let me read you a few things she's written. Imagine being kind to yourself. Why did this happen to me? Women standing for love. Doesn't that sound great? Have, allow yourself to be you. Five steps to dive into the divine feminine flow. So if those things appeal to you, be sure to go to her website, divinefeminineflow.com, and learn more about her. You know my work is at For Relationship Help. We're going to continue this conversation after the break, so stay tuned. Welcome back to the Relationship Help Show. This is Dr. Roberta Shaler. I'm here with my guest, Pranilla Lilla Rose. And we were talking earlier before the break in part one, we were talking about Hakomi therapy. We we're also talking about Pranilla's interesting learning experience for a brief time in her life, fortunately brief, where she had a hijackal in her life. But now I want to dive a little bit more into the kinds of things that you bring and ask you a few questions about your experience and your work. So I know that there's a distinction, and I really believe this is an important one, and I want to talk with you about it, between actually allowing ourselves or knowing what it is that allows us to feel loved, as opposed to having somebody tell us they love us. 
what is, what is that? Why is it important to have the felt experience over just hearing it? And how do we do that? Yeah, that is so important. And, you know, just to backtrack, I, I had a father who was also a hijackal. So, of wow. course, that's why I would attract that, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, doing all the work over time really felt that I was missing this feeling of being loved. I, I don't doubt that most of our parents really love us, genuinely, lovingly, but we may not feel it. And that could be for different reasons. But many times the reason can actually be because we are not being loved in a way that we can really feel it. You know, we may reach out to our parents and, you know, want something and they just give us something else or do something, but we never really met. When we are met in this place that needs to be met, that needs to be loved, then something can relax. And in Hakoma, we talk about the missing experience. And I think feeling loved is a big missing experience for most of us. Because when I feel loved inside, I feel full. And then I walk into the world feeling full, even overflowing. But if I walk around in the world not feeling loved, I cannot help but go out and try and find something to fill me up. So like in my case, self-doubt, right? So I needed somebody to help me maybe trust myself or believe in myself because I didn't, I didn't know how to. I didn't feel loved inside. I was working on it, you know, my books and my, it's all about self-love, but it's, there's always a deeper place we can go until we feel really full. So it's not a matter of, oh, you know, I'm a self-love mentor and so I love myself completely. I, I do, but there's always the next and the next layer that also needs to be seen and included. So in that, the feet, when I really feel loved inside, there is no way that a hijackal could even get to me. You know, it's impossible because... I don't need anything. And because we are, we are all intuitive beings, so we know there's something off. And when we trust ourselves, when we love ourselves enough, we're not going out there to get something, especially if it's something that is like, oh, something's off here. But, you know, if, if I'm not feeling in love, it's like, but I, I, I need to be loved, you know, so I'd rather have a crumb, rather have one crumb than nothing. That's because we're not full inside. So, if anything, you know, do anything you can, like self-care, learn to listen to yourself, learn to honor what you hear and, and know that you deeply matter. You deeply matter. And when we start feeling that, we're not going to let anybody treat us less than what we know is good for us. So that's why the feeling is really, that's what, 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 yeah, we bring it with us everywhere we go. We don't doubt it. It's, it's who we are. It's felt. So the felt sense is really big. Yeah. That's beautifully put. And I, I haven't heard it expressed that way. So thank mm-hmm. you for that. Um, it's a word. You know, we hear it all the time. Self-love, self-love, self-love. And I think a lot of people go, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. Um, but you know that I love the, the the way you said that about feeling filled up, 
because we've taken care of ourselves and that we're in touch with ourselves. We're listening to ourselves. And, and you know, my partner and I wrote a book called Soul Solitude. And what's interesting to me is it happens to be sitting on my desk right at this moment. But look what's on the back. Look what's at the top. You matter. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, and so I thought, wasn't that strange? I don't yeah. usually have books sitting on my desk. But... <laughs> I think it's so important to get that message across to everybody. You matter. Mm -hmm. And it starts by mattering to yourself. And that's my approach to self-love. Absolutely. It's to honestly believe that you have the right and the joy to take up space and draw breath. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. That you actually can expand into that space and say, this is my space. And therefore... That's why my definition, Pranilla, of assertiveness is to be able to know that you have the right to take up space and draw breath, and that comes with the right to say what you think, feel, need, and want, as long as you don't include the word you in it, Mm -hmm. right? So in my book, Kaizen for Couples, I call that the personal weather report. So assertiveness is giving a personal weather report. What's going on within me? Not my response to you, but what's actually going on within me. And that allows us to be assertive. But if we're feeling a deficit, you know, in your terms, that we're hollow, perhaps, or feeling empty. So we go around looking for someone to fill us up. And your suggestion is look in the mirror, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 So what happens when you don't listen to your inner wisdom? What if, if you go... Yeah, right, and then don't listen. Well, I would say if you don't listen to your inner wisdom, what are you listening to? (laughs) Right? Because we are listening to something. There is something that drives us. Are we listening to the critic in the mind? Are we listening to, you know, the, the conditioning that we've taken on from our parents, society, whatever? And for the most part, the answer is yes. Are we listening to the part that's afraid to not be loved, to not fit in, to not be liked, to have to be alone? Those are the voices I think that we mostly listen to. And then we override what we actually know inside because the body always knows. And part of the Hakomi work that I do, it's very, very body-oriented. So you, you learn to listen and pay attention. And it's actually not so difficult. <clears throat> it's just that society has not uh, encouraged us to do that. Mm-hmm. So when I work with my clients, there is just this full allowing to feel whatever is here. It could be anger, sadness, rage. It doesn't matter. It's just an energy that wants to be experienced. And for instance, anger, I'm sure you know this. In anger, there's always a very important message that something's not wrong. Something is not right here. Mm-hmm. And I need to listen to that. <clears throat> but we condition to push the anger away. It's not okay, especially as women. You can't be angry. But the not anger nice. is, <laughs> yeah, you got to be nice. You got to fit in. But anger is, is actually your ally if you learn to listen to it. If you don't listen to it, it's going to come out, you know, on the side as, as, you know, not kind remarks or, you know, in a way that is not conscious. So we might, it's really becoming conscious in our body and being willing to listen to 
every single part so that it can either be liberated or it will guide you back to where you really want to be when you are in alignment with yourself. And in that, so, so when you're not listening to your alignment, to your wisdom, I would say, shall I say 99% or 100% of the time, you'll, 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 you'll suffer or you will regret it afterwards. Because the truth is, like if somebody says, you know, says something to you and inside you feel a no, and then you say yes, you're going to be resentful afterwards. You're going to regret it. You're going to, you're going to pay for it one way or the other because your alignment with the divine, with your own truth, with your, your deepest wisdom is the only thing that's going to bring you fulfillment and happiness, and it will guide you in your life to where you are meant to be. So I vote for listening to your wisdom. <laughs> I do too. And you know, it's, it's no accident that, that soul solitude is out on my desk. Yeah. Because the subtitle is taking time for our souls to catch up. Yeah. And, you know, when I, when I wrote the book, I sent it to my daughter. She's a book editor, and she edits all my books. And I didn't hear from her for a while. Now, that was unusual. So finally, after five days, I said, what do you think of the book? She said, I'm angry. Oh. I said, why are you angry? <laughs> you know? She said, page 111. Well, I didn't have any idea what was on page 111. So I opened the book, and there's page 111. And it says, there is no drama in soul solitude. You cannot fail. There is no technique. And I said, so why did that make you angry? She said, well, I never sit quietly or meditate or any of those things because I think I don't know how. And you blew my cover. (laughs) You know, and I said, no, it's really simple. Just sit, fall silent and listen. And that's what I hear you describing, too. It's an invitation to listen. And so important. But how many people avoid giving themselves time with themselves? Don't you find that that's an issue? Well, you know, when I teach meditation at UCSC, which is actually UC Santa Cruz, not Southern California, but Ah, either way, it's fine. Um, I I always tell them the first class, you know, that, that... the main obstacle in learning to meditate is to take the time, put it in your schedule, sit down on your butt and just sit. The second obstacle is going to be your mind, but you know, don't let that mind stop you from taking the step to sit down. And yes, now you may not feel the solitude right away. You might have to go through a lot of mind chatter, And especially if we are not in touch with a lot of things in the body, trauma from the past or anything, you know, that's going to play itself out here and that's going to prevent you from finding more solitude. But that's why it's important to listen to the body and let it come up so it can be met and can be liberated. And then there is naturally going to be more and more peace and solitude. So, um, yeah, it is, it's a challenge. And I think most of us don't really know the benefit and that it, it really could be a high priority in your life when you understand that meditation is going to be about you finding the deepest part of yourself 
where your fulfillment, your love, the self-love feeling, it's all inside. But we need to take the time to go there. And the world will tell you to not do it. it there's always, oh, I need to check my text. Or I need, oh, I just, I'm busy. Uh, to, I do tomorrow. You know, no, it's never going to happen. Just do it now. Yeah, and and I think too that in in addition to what you've said, <clears throat> that people are a little bit afraid of what they're going to find when they actually stop. Yeah, when you actually sit down and yeah. there's nothing to do, there's nothing in your hand, yeah. there's nothing. Yeah, like what's going to creep in? Maybe something yeah. I don't want. I think I'll go and put on the laundry. <laughs> and so it has to accord ourselves the time yeah. to just say. I deserve to take some time to be with me. Yeah. And then I'm just going to listen to something that occurs to me. Now, whether you have a spiritual path or not, you know, whatever it is you think is happening, it doesn't matter. Because if you're listening, you're going to hear. Yeah. And as you say, we're going to have that chattering mind, you know, well, you didn't get this, you should get up and do that. You forgot to, you know, yeah. all of yeah. those things that are distracting us. Yeah. Yeah. But love yourself enough to stay in the chair. Keep your fanny on the fabric, right? <laughs> yeah. Do that long enough. Yeah. And, and it's important to to uh, keep ourselves in a safe space to do this. So how do you suggest that people create a safe space for themselves to learn to love themselves? Yeah. I mean, that could be many ways. What? In my own experience, I, it has felt so important to me in the past to be with, you know, a guide, a coach, a therapist, a, a teacher, where I, where I could start feeling safe. When we don't feel safe in ourselves, I think it's hard to do it on your own. And so finding somebody where you can feel safe with, it can be a friend, you know, a good friend. Um, for me, it was Hakomi you know, a Hakomi therapist, mm -hmm. because every, I was allowed to be myself and it felt safe. I was allowed to feel anything I felt and that felt safe. So I started feeling safer in myself because it was reflected back to me. Mm -hmm. And I do think that you, to do it all on your own, I don't know if that's very loving to yourself necessarily. It's definitely uh, difficult. Sometimes. It's very difficult doing it with, uh, in a group, go to a meditation class maybe with others or, um, you know, I've, I've created many women's groups over the years uh, and some that I was, you know, part of with my friends and it felt very, very safe because we all have the same issues and hearing it from others, um, again, then something can relax in me. It's like, oh, they're feeling that way too and, and have it confirmed and have it be okay. So that has created a lot of safety for me. So for me, it's, it's important to be with other people, uh, maybe one. And I notice how my clients too, they often say, but I, it's easy here. I feel safe. I can feel things here that I normally can't do on my own. Yeah. So have a place to, I would say, maybe activate the sense of, safety or self-love in the company of somebody that you feel loved or safe with then you then you know the feeling right so it's very embodied my work so you when you start knowing like oh this is what it feels like to feel safe with somebody else like, lovely oh, yeah. right and then yeah. you can start building on that yeah 
Yeah, and when you're in a group, all of a sudden, when you feel that everybody else has the same needs, or the same thoughts, or the same wants, you feel yeah. validated. And validation is really important, particularly if you've been with a hijackal. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so I want to thank you for being with me today, Pranilla, and sharing this beautiful wisdom that you've brought and the invitation to self-love. Thanks for doing that. Thank you. My absolute pleasure. It's been lovely being here with you. I, thank thank you. Yeah. My guest today has been Pranilla Lilla Rose. You can learn more about her at divinefeminineflow.com. Read her books, learn more about her work, engage with her. Doesn't it just make you feel like wanting to take a breath and go, oh, I could do that. Um, so lovely. And stay tuned. There's always more for you on the Relationship Help Show. If you want to know more about how to work with me to get out of those difficult, toxic relationships, or at least to recognize you're in one, mm -hmm. go to forrelationshiphelp.com or visit my YouTube channel. Guess what? For Relationship Help. Talk soon. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.